Hello, my name is Ernie Vecchio, author, trauma psychologist, and mentor, inviting you to join me on the Heart is Compass podcast. As is always the case, the path forward is inward. I will see you on the inside. Somebody has to say when the observer begins, and nobody wants to say it because it isn't politically correct to say when the observer begins. Mm-hmm. And or answer the question, can the observer see itself? Can another observer see an observer in its, in its beginnings? And the answer we're given in the culture is when I say I can see it is when I see it. And, and so, so we're saying that you have to have a set of eyes and you have to be out in the world and be a certain age to be the observer. When in actuality, sense memory, you know, the heart and the stomach are sensing and feeling everything and recording those senses and those feelings. All the body's not doing is interpreting them. The irony is it does know, though, the difference between life, uh, life-supporting and not life-supporting sensations. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to interpret them to know that. It's kind of built in. This is from your website, and I think it's an important understanding to have. And what you wrote was true authenticity is the simultaneous realization of hindsight, insight, and foresight, a form of vision that is proof positive of a life lived awake. And so I think, to me, that's such an important statement there because – we need all of those sites to be awake in our lives and be authentic in our lives. But I, I think it does take um, getting knocked down, standing back up, <laughs> learning from yeah. mistakes, all of those things to create the, the maturity to be able to go past that teenage awareness. So hindsight, insight, and foresight, all of those visions. And it takes a while to get all of those visions. Well, and the reason why the insight-foresight piece isn't as attractive is because we're saying that hindsight's perfect vision. Mm-hmm. It's perfect vision as long as you're looking back. It's not perfect vision if you're looking in or forward. I literally left the ground that the ego is rooted in and went in not to outer space but into inner space, and I'm in this little rocket ship inside your life. And as I left the atmosphere that the ego is rooted in, I discovered that the electromagnetic pull that was actually pulling the rocket ship along, when I cut off the motor, which is cut off the emotions, did not fall back to the ego. It literally was being pulled towards the heart mm-hmm. by, the, by the gravity of the heart's electromagnetic field. Mm-hmm. So in other words... When I discovered that my little tiny inner spaceship was being pulled towards the more dominant force, which was the heart, and that the ego was a made-up force that wasn't real, was exaggerated, then I was off and running on this journey, if you will, of of discovering inner space. And um, as I pointed out in my little formula that if uh, the – Massive ego is magnified and the heart is removed as our center, then human suffering is increased tenfold. Mm-hmm. And once I discovered that, that gravity and that gravitational pull is real, then I set off to go, okay, how did we get the illusion that the ego has more mass? It's an interesting dilemma because I'm discovering even now at this chapter in my life 
is I try to figure out what kind of contribution to make to the spiritual community or to this business of consciousness or to this business of self-development or whatever the language people want to use that has to do with reaching our potential. How do we talk about ego when literally we're not going to let go of it? One of the big reasons that it's hard for people to be willing to let go of their ego is because they think that's all that they are. Yeah, 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 yeah. When I said that, I was just, I, I meant that it's its also timing. It's where we are in our history as a country and as a world. Mm-hmm. Uh, we seem to be, without a doubt, at a peak of self-absorption. If we have a theoretical model out there called transactional analysis, which a lot of the world embraces, TA was very popular when it first came out in the 60s and 70s, and the inner child concept is widely embraced by every every helping profession and a lot of other people on the planet. If we're going to embrace what Eric Byrne said in his model of transactional analysis, that the, that the inner child never gets any older than a teenager, what happens if you finally raise your teenager in his model? Mm-hmm. Well, you can now grow up. Mm-hmm. That's the logic behind the TA model. What nobody's not saying, in Western thought, we're never going to get any older than midlife because that's how old our God is, and that's how old our teacher is in Western thought. Mm-hmm. Never get to past 33. How much did you think you knew at 33? I thought, I'm not giving you a chance to answer, Irma, but I thought that I was on top of the world at 33. Mm-hmm. I thought that I knew a lot. I only discovered that I didn't know hardly anything. Mm-hmm. I was just beginning to understand, mm-hmm. you know, but I felt pretty confident that I knew a lot. <laughs> We're not getting there in the culture, and I guess we don't really care about getting ahead of the curve. If I ask anybody, if you want to get ahead of the emotional maturity curve, would you – do you want to? You know, I know a lot of people will say, yeah, no, not really. No. What is that? What, what do you mean by emotional maturity curve? What it yeah. seems like our society values most is material things and consumerism. I don't think I could stay on this earth if I couldn't find ways to feel hopeful. So if we don't value um, emotional maturity or overall maturity, then why would anybody set that as a goal? Truly spiritual people know that the life that they're in right now is all the life that they have. And they try to live and they try to live their life to match that logic. When you've got other people think that they've got, life after this life so mm-hmm. therefore why bother to clean it up mm-hmm. why bother to do the best version of it why bother to do any of those things particularly when you're talking about the spiritual dimension mm-hmm. and that's the bypassing piece that we've talked about before this work has taught me the difference between an optimist and a pessimist mm-hmm. and i know everybody's read these differences a pessimist has faith based upon broken or unbroken promise of hope. And the greater the broken promise, the greater the pessimism. An optimist has faith based upon hope that's been rewarded. Each time it gets rewarded, their optimism is reinforced. If I had a magic wand to wave, and that magic wand 
erased not just the the um, pandemic right now, but was there to begin with. So that was erased. And my magic wand created um, a United States where we're really united. And I keep coming up to this point, and that point is where I start to feel angry. But then what has happened each time when I get up to that point, and it's like I start to feel angry, I ask myself, angry at who and angry at what? There's not a specific person. There's nothing specific to express that anger towards. It's just, it just would be anger that wouldn't go anywhere. So then I kind of get peaceful again, but then I keep coming back because I think the anger is telling me I want to be able to um, change something and I feel powerless to be able to do that. And that's what creates the feeling of anger. The needle turns in his heart. Ever get the feeling it's pointing to the start of something so much bigger, so much better. 